Lifting Leaders podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Trisha Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Tricia. So glad you're back. Thank you, Crystal. It's so good to be back. I have missed you. <laughs> and I've missed the podcast. Yeah, we missed you. Glad you're here. And I know that you listened to the episode with Jack Schlosser. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to pick one of the gems as we do with our other episodes. And there were so many great gems mm-hmm. that we could have picked from his episode. Uh, I just loved what he had to say about careers, about defining success and how that changes over time. And he was such, he's such an expert in the field of healthcare. That was so interesting. I loved noticing that his energy just went way mm-hmm. up <laughs> when he was talking about all this stuff about the healthcare that I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I just, I loved that episode so much. I, I so enjoyed um, listening to him talk and, and share his story. His story was fascinating. In fact, I was think, sitting there while I was listening thinking, I lived in San Diego County. <laughs> I, I remember surfboards. <laughs> it was like, yeah. wow, but he was, he was just so, it was just wonderful listening to him. Very easy to listen to. And his message was so important, I yeah. think. And so I listened to it twice. Oh, <laughs> I may listen to it a third time. <laughs> well, I hope our listeners go back and listen to that if they haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. It's pretty rich. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes out of there. Um, I had many. I shared a few of those on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. if anybody's following us on LinkedIn, which we hope you are. Um, and Instagram and Facebook, I shared a couple of his quotes, but one that I did not share about that was so much fun was, um, sometimes you're in the barrel and then you wipe out. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so funny. That's life in general, isn't it? It's not just about your career, but you're in the barrel and that's a, a surfing term Yep. that things are really going awesome and you're right in the middle of it and it's all go for it at the time and then all of a sudden I think it's what happens is the wave crashes over you and down you go and you find your face in the sand (laughs) so and and the point is you got to get back up right it's the resilience it's get back up go out there and find that barrel again I thought it was like the perfect metaphor I really did love I loved it and it went very well with you know kind of carried on his story in the whole thing it was really good yeah very good So today, though, we're just picking one of those, and we're going to talk a little bit about his sort of philosophy around a career is a marathon, and that in that marathon, you can actually shift your focus over time, that there's sort of this thread that happens throughout, and his thread was service to others. Mm And, and really the healthcare industry. He spent most of his 50-year career, which is still ongoing, it's not ending yet, um, in, in the healthcare industry. So serving people. And 
he talked with us about his twists and turns within that. And mm-hmm. so we wanted to talk and take a little bit of time to talk about career as a marathon. And we've also been studying another guru, Marcus Buckingham, has a book that came out last April called Love and Work. And we've been studying that. And we, I have the leader designation around that. Trisha's just has to take her exam. Just minutes <laughs> away. <laughs> and we also, I facilitated a, a learning circle, Crystal's learning circle, love and work learning circle. Uh, for the past several months, I had an awesome group of people and shout out to them um, if they're listening. they were great and I was I was in that on that team and it was fun it was inspiring it was insightful and I didn't get enough (laughs) (laughs) well that's uh I'm maybe can I tell yeah Monday Monday I'll actually be um advertising marketing um I'm running another learning circle that will not be focused on love and work but it will be focused on helping people to achieve whatever goal they're they're hoping to achieve. So it's a group coaching um, and we'll be running through the end of the year, starting mid-October through the end of the year. So so fun. Yeah, pretty excited about that. Let me know if you want to join. Um, just a limit of 10. So it's a very small group. We want it to be intimate and everybody has an opportunity to contribute that way. Mm-hmm. And it's virtual, so you can be anywhere, anywhere in the world and join us. You know, I and I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I do want to go back to what you were talking about, how how this, a lot of what Jack was talking about, we have seen in, in Love and Work. You're able to pull out snippets of it. You know, he was talking about how, I think he was saying something about how your career or your, your it's a journey, you know, and yeah. it's, and it, it basically is an evolution of, you know, what, what you love to do, basically. And so I was thinking about, we were talking about this earlier, but um, I was thinking about some notes that I took when when I was listening to Marcus Buckingham, and, and his message was, your career is not a climb, it's a search. And so I found that to be kind of in parallel with what Jack was saying. I was thinking that's that's very true. You know, we're always, it doesn't mean that you haven't found necessarily, but finding the next to continue that red thread, you know, to evolve that red thread so that you can really find, find your Shangri-La of, of work, if you want to call it that, you know, it's like, yeah. what is my, what is the pinnacle for me? You know, it's, it's doing what I love doing. It doesn't necessarily have to be done in the same type of work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly not in the same organization necessarily, though, though it could, you can, you can do that within an organization, but yeah, I love that. So Marcus actually has six sort of key ideas. We're going to walk through each of those, not in great detail, but we want to share them with you because we think they really resonate and they make sense and they're based on research. So, and very well aligned with what Jack was talking about in his, in his career as well and how he, and his recommendations for, for others on how to go about a really fulfilling and successful career. And the one Trisha was just talking about there is to learn a successful career is a scavenger hunt uh, for love. Mm-hmm. And unlearn a successful career is climbing of a ladder. 
And so it's being open to really thinking about it as you might move sideways. You might even change industries. Mm -hmm. Um, You were sharing with me about, do you want to share that story about kind of your career and how you saw it as a scavenger hunt and kind of you were remaking yourself every, I don't know, five to 10 years. Every five years. I I, um, was lucky enough when I was starting out in my career to... I started at the bottom at um, the phone company, in air quotes, right? Um, and I was an operator, but I, I needed a foot in the door. I wanted to be something else, and I was in college at the time. I really needed to have a degree to get into some of the jobs that I really wanted to do. But as soon as I got my degree, I got pulled into a project that became a job for me for several years, and it was where I started learning about organizational development. It's where I started learning about um, dealing with organizational behaviors and, you know, IO psychology and stuff. And I really got interested in all of that at that time. And I found I loved that. And I had a boss who felt that you should never stay in one place for more than five years or else you're going to get yourself stuck into a job and I didn't want that I was really I had aspirations of being much higher and I was thinking of it at the time as a ladder I was thinking you know I'm going to be at this job and then I'm going to get promoted to this and they'll promote me or they'll want me to do something else even more exciting but what I found was I moved from some jobs that were totally lateral to the one I had but so much broader you know, so I learned a lot of new things and I got to practice the things that I loved doing, mm-hmm. which was serving people. And I did love that. I loved, I love helping people through whatever challenge they're dealing with that, that they may have on the tip of their tongue, but just can't quite get it out. And sometimes they just need somebody to kind of walk with them to get to it. I don't think at that time I really got that so formally but I learned it over the years. So I went from that to different areas in the phone company. I went to Yellow Pages, then I went to, uh, I left after 20 something years and and I went to financial services as a consultant. I decided I wanted to serve the government because I wanted to give back all the things that they'd given me and I went to work for the Commerce Department in Washington DC and didn't love that job, but I went there following that same thing I loved. And I knew that they had it, they just weren't ready. And I wasn't ready to be a government employee at that time. So Mm -hmm. I found within days of leaving that job, I found a job in healthcare. And I got to do organizational development at its finest. I loved that kind of work. And And that's where I really learned to be a good coach because I had a hospital where people were dealing with saving people's lives, but they weren't very good at dealing with each other. And so I got to do a lot of coaching and I found that that was really what I loved doing more than anything. So I looked for things like that and I got recruited to another healthcare company in here in the Northwest, did that for a few years. And when I started searching for the new opportunity and the one that I'm in right now, it was with that same thought that I was going to get a chance to do that kind of stuff again. And I have. I may have changed some of the things that I do in my job, 
but I've always had a certain amount of the same kind of work. You know, like mm -hmm. coaching is something I love doing. Helping people figure out how to fix something is something I love to do. And um, and helping them deal through deal with their own transitions. How do they get through that? How do they get through the murky middle, right? And how do they embrace the new? I love helping people do that. And so that was my whole career. It's been my whole career. And what I found was I didn't have to go up, although I yeah. did go up. I did go up and then I decided I didn't like where I was. That wasn't what I wanted. And I found that out kind of the hard way, but when I finally got it in my head that you don't have to be up to be happy, yeah. you can go across, you can even divest from it completely and go to something else. And I found that I, I was chasing that way. I kind of was looking for, you know, what's the next adventure? And now I'm kind of in between two adventures myself and I'm looking forward to the next one because yeah. I know what it's going to be. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. What a great example. Yeah. Of that scavenger hunt mm -hmm. versus climbing a ladder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. What's really, and I think that's something that more and more people probably can identify with. I would imagine there are mm -hmm. so many people who have even greater stories than that, you know, we just don't always necessarily acknowledge them when they're happening or we are going through it and we're not thinking about what um that they that i am going through it there's not a lot of intention to it for some people it's just what's the next what's the next what's the next it's not until years later that you stop and say what have i been doing you know and, and taking account of your career and the steps and that scavenger hunt and saying you know what i found this here and i found this here and and i am i'm feeling comfortable in my own skin i'm feeling like i'm doing the right thing this is where my heart belongs you know that kind of thing yeah. people do it all the time i want them to acknowledge it i want them to recognize it yeah because it's so important so i'm going to transition us to the next one number two which is to learn the what always trumps the why and the who versus unlearning a why you believe in can compensate for work you dislike. Mm. I think the thing that is really important on this one is that we're not saying, and Marcus Buckingham is not saying in his book, Love and Work, that that doesn't matter. It's just that it is not enough. Mm -hmm. And so it is important that we are aligned with the values of the organization and the culture in which we're doing the work and that we believe in the company that we're working for. And some of us are very mission-driven. I'm a very mission-driven person. I want to make sure that who I'm working for is doing good things in the world. Mm -hmm. So that is important to me. But it is not the only thing that if even if we have all of that, we still have to love the actual activities. Right the tasks that we're doing. And I think sometimes we think, oh, that doesn't really matter. Um, that, you know, if I'm, if I'm a mission-driven person, it should only matter what my organization is doing and I'll do anything in order to support. And while that can be somewhat true, what the research is showing is that you need to have 20%, 20% of your activities 20% of your day of your job needs to actually be things that are in your love category yes. in that red thread otherwise you won't be happy well and you know one of the tests of that 
you know, when people are, are working and they go to work because they believe in the mission or they believe in, you know, the, the, the vision of the organization, they see it when they, when they start, they think the values are exactly what they, what they could follow, even though it may not be absolutely their own values. But the test to that is when things aren't going well and people are dissatisfied in there and something goes on in the business and people are starting to think, what's my place here, right? And, and I don't want to be working extra hours or I don't want to be told that, oh, they're gonna regrade my job and now I'm gonna get less pay for doing the same amount of work. In fact, maybe a little bit more work or they're, they're they're taking my job and they're putting it in a different department or I'm getting a new leader. I mean, there's all those little things that are like um, those little things that eat at you, right? When, when something's not right, those little things that eat at you become a lot of things that are not right, right? Yeah. And it takes that 20% that keeps you on track. I would never, I, I will tell you, I have always looked at mission, vision, values and stuff when I've ever looked for a new job. But I've never let that be my decider, you know, my decision maker or breaker. Because I did, if it, the values, I always figure I can find alignment somehow. But um, if I find that the mission is a little too broad for me or it's a little too um, uh, fuzzy and I'm not quite seeing myself in it, then I'm going to be struggling to figure out where I fit in it especially when something's not going well. And my experience is the minute I get the job, something's not going well. I wonder <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So if you're wondering, like, how, how do you actually assess what your loves are, what your red threads are? I mean, you simply can create a list of things that you love and things that you loathe. Like, pay attention. It's that self-awareness. When you're moving through your day, when you're moving through your week, what do you love? What do you loathe? Here's some specific questions that are in, in his book, Love and Work. When was the last time you lost track of time? You instinctively volunteered for something. Someone had to tear you away from what you were doing. You felt completely in control of what you were doing. You surprised yourself by how well you did it. You were singled out for praise. You were the only person to notice something. You found yourself actively looking forward to work. You came up with a new way of doing things. Or you wanted the activity to never end. Mm. So those are really good things if you take a minute to reflect and think back um, to answer those questions. That will really give you big clues into what your red thread is. And you know, I think that... The one that really stands out for me is that that you lose track of time mm -hmm. because I know that when I'm really loving what I'm doing, I can go forever. I mean, I honestly, I'll look at the clock and, and an hour has gone by and I'm thinking, hey, it seemed like we just started doing this. Um, the podcast is one of those things. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> Trish and I will be talking and talking and I will look up like, oh my gosh. Two hours. <laughs> Two hours have gone by. <laughs> See, we don't share everything with you guys. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so true though. Yeah. Um, let's see. Number three, learn that the most successful people mold their job to maximize their loves 
unlearn the most successful people find the perfect job for them. I love this one because um, I have shared this with clients that I'm working with. They're helping to helping them to try to figure out what's their next step, mm-hmm. and they get really stuck on this one. They get really stuck trying to find the perfect job, and so when I share that this sort of learning with them. It's just, you can just see them relax and it takes the weight off their shoulders and it's like, oh, I can see, I, you know, I just have to look for that 20%. I don't have to look for a hundred percent. It's everything I love. May I talk about you for a moment? (laughs) Sure. When we used to work together and you became a certified coach, you found ways to incorporate coaching more into your job than you had before you know, than you ever had before. You may have done coaching before, but it wasn't so concentrated. Yeah. And your energy level at work and your happiness at work, I think, changed dramatically. And I think that happens to people. I mean, I'm using you as an example, but that happens. You know, when there's something that you, something you find that you really, really love and you can get your heart around, Finding places where you can insert that into your job so that it starts to become more of what you do than less yes. of what you do. Yeah. And I think that's really the key, too, is that it's the starting point. The 20% is the starting point. You want to work to mold the job, as it was we are talking here, into where you get to use more of those loves. I think the other thing that's really important there is that we have to figure out how to how to actually um, make it into contribution mm-hmm. our love needs to flow into contribution yes. and those actually go back and forth the more the more we understand how we contribute it refines what we love mm-hmm. so they flow back and forth love and contribution and you know we don't want to go to our boss and say well we really love this but we have no idea how it's actually going to help the company right And I, yeah, I think that is something that I have done for a long time is to figure out what is it that I really love doing, but then how does it benefit the company? Yes. And how does it, you know, for us, it's how do we, how does it benefit the leaders and Mm -hmm. how does it benefit the organizations that we're helping? And, um, and then you get to do more of it because they can see, oh yeah, this is actually aligned with where we're going and it's helping people. Um, be better at their jobs or whatever. Exactly. I mean, when you think about people who are losing track of time because they're doing something they love, you want to make sure that what they are losing track of time on is actually benefiting so others. And and if it is, I think that gives you a whole different sense of, of valuing your own contribution. You know, it's like, wow, you know, I am doing a good job and I'm doing a good job because I love doing this and yeah. it's helpful, you know, and I can measure it somehow. Yeah. Very yeah. important. Yeah. I love that ad. Um, being able to measure the contribution is always really helpful too. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're trying to negotiate having that more in, in your job. Yeah. Really important. Number four is um, to learn, strive to be different, not complete, and unlearn. Success comes from meeting completely the job's requirements. Um <laughs> And I love his little note there. It says, job descriptions are generic. You don't have to be. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Find a niche where you are a category of one. Everyone is replaceable, but no one is replicable. And I thought that was mm-hmm. really good because you do hear people talk about this. 
um, that uh, you're replaceable. It's a terrible thing to say to somebody, but I think it is true. You are replaceable. They can find another, um, you know, accountant or engineer or whatever, but the way you do it and the expertise that you bring, no one else has that. So you are not replicable. And I think that that is something that um, businesses would do well to remember. Because I know in large businesses, I've worked in a couple of really large, large, large businesses, Fortune 100s that are millions of people, maybe not millions, but lots. And, um, And I can remember times when I've heard, and I don't think anybody ever said it to me, but I've heard it said that, you know, if if this person leaves, we'll just get another person yeah. to sit in that spot. And what they are short on is knowledge and understanding that they they may be able to replace that person, but they're going to get a whole different level of quality maybe or even quantity because whoever replaces that person has a learning curve or they have a different love and they're, they they want to put a different stamp on it. So it can be... It can be an eye-opener, I think, for a business when they let go of people too quickly and try and replace them yeah. and find that, you know what, it's not that easy. It's not that easy because every one of us are different. Yeah. yeah. Nobody is the same as the last person, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we're all unique. Mm-hmm. And we all bring unique things to the job. Um, and I think this next one really speaks to that as well, which is um, mm. number five. Learn, leading comes from depth of expertise. Unlearn, leading comes from having a range of experiences. And this goes back to that being unique mm-hmm. and really understanding the contributions that you can make and and, and really narrowing uh, and in your understanding of what your love is. Narrowing and going deep. Yes. So that that's what makes you um, so valuable is what you bring to the job, that expertise. We think about the scavenger hunt thing, right? I mean, we are all on on this journey from the time we start and, and find that red thread, find that love that we have, right? Yeah. Until we end our career, hopefully, we'll be following that same red thread throughout. But that's where, if you really do have a love, you're going to want to get a depth of knowledge because what that does is that gives you, it gives you, I hate to say it this way, but it gives you power in a way. It gives you um, that expertise that people seek when they're looking for information. You have a comfort around something that others don't have because they may not have gotten that kind of information. You have an understanding that is at a level nobody else might understand. Going going across you know disciplines and looking at a lot of different things, but only going surfacely or surface deep, is not terribly valuable often because a lot of people can do that, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the place where a person could be replaceable. I think is if they if they don't bother to ever learn more than just surface level information, but they know a lot of it. Right? Yeah. It's it's great to know. Um, it's great for Jeopardy, right? <laughs> yeah. But when you think about it, if if you really want to know 
if you really want to break something down, if you really want to understand, you know, why a strategy is not working or why something, um, why we need to do something a certain way or how we could do something differently, a person with a depth of knowledge is able to take that information and say, you know what, we could try this and here's why. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's really, um, it's, I think, a compelling reason for really following your love. Yeah, yeah. And for all those, you kind of started with this, for all those people, the, the young people out there who are listening, um, shout out to you. I know mm-hmm. um, my kids, my young adult kids struggle with this a little bit, um, although they're they're getting older, so they've, they've accomplished this, I think. But about getting worried about, I don't know what my love, my sort of love is. Yeah. I don't know what my red thread is yet. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what I want to, what I want to actually do my 10,000 hours in to get to be an expert in whatever that is, that's okay. Because as we were talking about, it's, it's a scavenger hunt. It's you figure that out along the way and nothing's ever wasted. You know, it's like you're learning all this stuff. It comes along with you to your next opportunity. And at some point you'll look back and you'll be able to say, Oh, I can see how this all fits together and how it helps support me where I am now. Now that I've discovered what my expertise or my area of focus is. It reminds me of something that Marcus said in one of his webinars about, um, you know, everything is mapped out for kids. You know, you're going to you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a lawyer or whatever. And they follow a certain path and they go to school, but they get into school and they realize, you know what? I don't really know if that's what I want to be. I may have heard that all my life and I may have been kind of thinking that's what I wanted, but you know, now I'm looking at this, you know, environmental science thing over here that's really interesting and I kind of like want to know more about that. And for some kids, they take the path that they were told to take. And that turns them into an adult who has a job that they may struggle with because they don't have a lot of love or they don't have enough loves in that job to make it work for them, to make them a success or to make them feel successful. So it's really, um, I think it, it would be great if we were living in a world right now where parents and kids could say, you know what, let's get you into school and let's get you doing the fundamental stuffs first Let's let you explore what there is available. You know, you can maybe see what they loved before. They may find that before. There are kids who who know that very early in life, but there are a lot of kids that don't, and they struggle when they get into college because they don't really know what they really want to be when they grow up. And And that's okay. It sure is. It sure is. I was 25 (laughs) before I started really thinking more about it. I had gone through college. I went through college and I got out of college and I had a business degree. Well, that doesn't, that's not my red thread. (laughs) It's really not. I mean, business is, it's where I work, right? Yeah. But if I had, if there had been something at the time that I knew about around something that really dealt more with um, interpersonal studies and things like that, I would have probably spent more time in that um, I did finally when I went for my master's, but um, it it took years for that, and I think that I might have been in a different place 
I would not trade it for anything. Every every step of my journey has been really very wonderful. It's even if um, even if I took a tumble, which I did once, and it was um, probably one of the biggest gifts I ever got. So, you know, it happens. But but to enable people to find their love, you know, when they're ready to find it, is really important. I think for business. So thank, thanks, Tricia, for that. That was that was really interesting, um, and I totally agree. Um, I'm flipping through my notes, and I realize, I'm going to be vulnerable here, listeners, <laughs> that I'm a lot more like Jack than I realized. Jack oh. said he's not good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and I just realized there is no six. There's no number six. So um, there's just five. Five of those. It was a six with an open back. <laughs> so became a five. It became a five. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so there you go. Six really good um, five. words of wisdom. <laughs> or five. <laughs> there we go. Five. Oh my goodness. You know what today is? It's National Podcast Day. Yay! And so we're, this is, we're recording on Friday, um, September 30th. Uh, we'll be actually dropping this on Monday as we do with all of our podcasts. But anyway, so we're a little rummy. It's the end of the end of the <laughs> week. Um, but welcome Monday for you who are just listening because um, we'll drop it on Monday. But so five, five of those. But um, if you were to add a sixth, putting you mm. on the spot, yeah, what would be your sixth? I can share mine first if you want while you're thinking. Yeah. I think the the last one for me would be, and I really, I was inspired by this episode by Jack, that it was about finding the stars. And I mm. think that that is so important. And so as we think about what a number six might be, it's that role we have as a leader to look out and find the stars in others. And to help them find their loves. Yes. Like that is such an important role that we have as a leader. So that would be my number six is Mm -hmm. how do you take on as one of your really important priorities? How do we, how do you help someone else find their red threads and turn it into contribution? You know, and I, I love that. I do. And I think that's a perfect six, actually. I, I think the only thing I would add for me would be to um, have ex- explore with them, you know, explore with your people, you know, and, and, and then take that information. Once, you, once you've, you know, talked about what is it that you love doing? What is it that makes you lose track of time? What are those things that, you know, you, you get excited about and you, and you actually have an interest and you want to know more and more and more about just that kind of a conversation with each of the people that work for you. And then use that information to try and find opportunities within their jobs to enable them to use it and for the team to be able to use it. Because I think, I think when you're talking about, you know, when we're talking about leaders who may have teams of people, um, every individual is an individual. We know that. We know that there are no two people alike in the world and no two people see things the same way. It's just we're all very unique, right? And wouldn't it be cool if we all kind of knew a little bit about each other's red thread, that we could find ways to use them together 
And I think it might be yeah. kind of a cool way to build that, you know, to Marcus uses the um, quilt as, yeah. a, as an example to take a bunch of red threads and make them into a quilt. I think it could be a really cool thing for a team. It could make for a very strong team yeah. because people would be mindful of each other, probably more empathetic of each other, more willing to encourage each other. And when they hold each other accountable, they'd probably be there to help, you know, stand with yeah. them. I think it could make for a much, um, a much more cohesive team environment. I'm not sure how, how, Easily, it would be for a lot of our leaders who probably have never done it before, probably to start out, find your own red thread, identify it, own it, right? Yeah, yeah. Start start with you. Yeah. It starts with us as leaders. Absolutely. Showing the way, being the model. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Yeah. And uh, I guess one more thing I would just say that came out of that episode for me, uh, like I said, there was many things. But sort of building on what you were just saying there, Tricia, is that we need we need all these red threads. We need a big, huge quilt. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so many challenges in the world, and we need all of them. And we need all of these unique, uh, passionate people to step up into leadership and to help lead solutions and lead innovation. It's really important. You know, I'm thinking about what you just said and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, this is what we do this podcast for. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about how to help people embrace new and different and and actually be the change, right? Yeah. And this is is so critical. What you just said is so critical right now. This is exactly what we want leaders to know. These are the kinds of things that are going to change the way business works in the future. It's going to change the way people um, get things done. And it's going to make, I think, for a much more sustainable business world for sure, but environmental world as well. Yeah. You know, let's live our threads. Let's live with our threads. Let's use those to our advantage. Use them to the advantage for our earth. Yeah. And it's something that's not just a do it right now and then we can do something different later. <laughs> this yeah. would be something that is sustainable. If people really embraced this and they really did it and and they owned it, I think this could be a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. So we, as we always do, we leave people with challenges. Mm-hmm. And if you listened to our podcast a couple of episodes ago, one of the things that we were changing when we came back was we want to really focus those challenges so that it's not overwhelming. So we're just going to give you one today. And that challenge, you can probably guess what that is, is to spend some time reflecting and thinking about what are your red threads and how can you turn that into contribution? So you might want to go back and um, replay that part that tells you what those questions were. In fact, I'll probably just type those out. I'll just put them in the show notes. So if you go to the show notes, we'll have those questions as well as a link to the book. I highly recommend the book and you could go ahead and buy yourself a copy of The Love and Work by Marcus Buckingham. We'll have it in, sh- in the show notes. So spend a little time thinking about what What's your red thread? What's your love? And how can you turn that into contribution? Mm, Love that. So let's keep that conversation going. 
If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There are so many exceptional podcasts coming up, more with fantastic guests. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram or tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you would like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you, as always, to Ari Chance Roberts, who is our amazing technical support for our show. And lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's absolutely free. Crystal, this has been so much fun. I'm glad we're back together again. It seemed like too much of a, a break. So I'm looking forward to the next one we do as well. Thank you to our audience for listening. We do appreciate you listening in and, and let us know what you think about what you're hearing. It's really important to us. Find ways every single day to lift each other up. Have a great week. Bye.